The Chargers offense has struggled over the past few games, but if they can find a better way to use their rookie wide receivers, they'll have a much better shot at consistency. You are Locked On Chargers, your daily podcast on the Los Angeles Chargers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up and welcome into the Lockdown Chargers podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Wade, joined as always by my co-host, David Drogemeyer. We've been covering the Chargers together for eight seasons now, but this is our sixth year as a host of the Lockdown Chargers podcast, bringing you your team every day. Thank you guys, as always, for making this your first listen today. And to make sure you never miss the show, go subscribe or follow for free on the Lockdown Chargers YouTube channel and listen wherever you get your podcast from. David, what do we got today? Today, Daniel, we got to get into our Chargers mailbag, so we are turning the show over to our great everydayers. This one's all about you guys. So we're going to talk about Quentin Johnston, Darius Davis, getting them more involved in the offense, and is time running out on Chargers general manager Tom Telesco? A lot of questions about Quentin Johnston, and I get it, especially after seeing what Jordan Addison did on Monday Night Football. I understand it for sure, but it starts with the Chargers using them better. If they can do that, They'll start making some progress. But today's episode is brought to you by the Game Time app. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code Lockdown NFL for twenty dollars off your first purchase. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. David, we have a question here from Dudley Do Right on Twitter who asks: Shouldn't Kellen Moore work more yards after the catch type of plays, wide receiver screens, slants, curls, reverses, etc., into the playbook for Quentin Johnson and Darius Davis? They are our fastest play- offensive players, and I don't think it's even that close. That part can't be contested. I mean, those guys are your most explosive offensive players. And I think for the most part, we've seen that with Darius Davis. I think with Darius Davis, it's more of just the frequency in which he's being used. And he's also the main return guy in both yeah. kick and punt returns. So maybe they're still not trying to expose him too much offensively. Sure. He's actually played re- really well. I mean, David both wanted more touches. David used that as one of his keys for success last week. But I think a lot of this has to do with Quentin Johnson because they seem to know how to use Darius Davis. They know what they want there. They're not using him as, you know, just go routes and and trying to do things. He's He's the gadget guy. Quentin Johnson seems like they're having a much tougher time using him. And a lot of the things Dudley Do-Right's bringing up here are the things that we want to see from them going forward. And I think if they can find that, David, that gets you closer to consistency. That gets you closer to less droughts offensively than have absolutely killed them over the last two games and should be the main focus or one of them at practice. I just don't feel uh, like it should be that difficult. I mean, it should, it's pretty cut <laughs> yeah. and dry, Daniel. I mean, you brought Quentin Johnston in. You drafted him because he's a yards-after-catch monster. That's what he did in college football. He forced 45 missed tackles across three seasons at TCU. It doesn't need to be overthought. You need to get him the ball in space. You need to get him the wide receiver screens, the slants, the drag routes. You got to get him in space so he can operate. That's what you brought him in to do. That's the skill set that you saw that attracted you originally to Quinton Johnston. So you have to start throwing him the ball and devising plays specifically for him. You got to get him more than two targets a game. Nobody in the entire NFL is going to be able to provide any kind of consistency or get any kind of confidence when they don't get more than a couple of of targets every single game. That's got to change. The play types have to change. Don't overthink it. Go back to what made him successful, what made him a first-round pick in the first place, and that's by getting the ball in his hands in space. 
And I think a lot of people are frustrated because I think, you know, at least on the broadcast version of the game, you see Quentin Johnston winning some of these one-on-ones off Absolutely. the line of scrimmage, and he looks open, right? And you can't always see where the safety help is, and a lot of sure. times he's not as open as he seems. But I think a lot more of it has to do with the type of routes they're having him run in most of these games, which are clear-out routes and things yeah. like that, where it's like, I understand he's not always creating separation, but when you're running him into two deep safeties to open up things for guys underneath, you're not going to get a lot of separation in those situations. And I do think he is struggling with the physicality of the NFL. He is struggling to get separation on some of these routes and not opening up a clear window for Justin Herbert. And the problem is, is when it was Mike Williams who wasn't getting a ton of separation, Justin Herbert had full trust to let it rip to him anyways because he had a little bit of a bigger body, right? And he had great hands and he just trusted that the ball wasn't going to get intercepted. Like the bad thing wasn't going to happen. And most of the time, Mike Williams is going to come down with it. But I think it has been a combination of him dealing with rookie struggles and also just Justin Herbert not trusting him. There's a chart here from throw the damn ball on Twitter that I want to show that everyone's been kind of showing around. You can see on the far left, you have Mike Williams who got no separation. And this is basically the vertical axis on here is talking about how receivers do at the catch point, which is how well they're catching the ball once it's in the air and what they do with it afterwards. As you can see, Quentin Johnson is on the very bottom left of all the receivers in the NFL as far as what he's doing after the catch and at the catch point. Catch point wasn't really his strength coming in, right? Yards after the catch was, but like the targets he's getting, you're not going to get yards after the catch on back shoulder throws. And you can see on this chart as well that Joshua Palmer and Keenan Allen are right next to each other as far as gaining separation. Both have been good after the catch and at the catch point. But it is a combination, David. It's not as if Quentin Johnson is running wide open through the secondary in every game. But he is getting open at times, and they do need to make it so that he is one of the primary reads in Justin Herbert's you know, progression. Yeah. And also, though, when you do that, though, you better make sure he's the one getting open. Because if he's the first read and he's not getting open, then that slows everything down. And I have hopes that when Jalen Guyton gets back, he can be the guy that gets sent on those clear-out routes. And you can use Quentin Johnson more underneath, which I think is what this offense wants to do. Yeah, exactly. And so... That was basically just about the separation and how good people are after the catch. And for yeah. those on the podcast audience, basically, Quentin Johnson has not been great after the catch so far this season and has not really done great as far as the separation he's creating. But I think that has a lot to do with the routes they're running, how they're using him. But it also is some on him, too, and being able to yeah. find separation from the DBs he's going up against. But it does bring up a good question here from Ewing Fighter Pilot, who says, Hey, guys, keen to see close to halfway through the season where your grades are at on the Chargers rookies. So hard to do rookie grades at this point, even this early in the season, David. But we'll, you know, have some fun with it for sure. Let's start with the first two guys we can talk about, because we can really only talk about Quentin Johnson, Thule, Darius Davis, and Scott Matlock, because those are the guys we've seen play, really, and get actually some decent amount of snaps, right? So let's start with Quentin Johnson and Thule. Where are you going for those grades? Yeah, Quentin Johnston uh, just underutilized, not utilized properly, and I think there's fault on all sides. I think it's the Chargers. I think it's Quentin, um, and I think it's the play calling. I think all of those things are work, kind of working against uh, Quentin right now, so my grade for Quentin is a C. Um, I just feel, and it feels more just like incomplete just because I feel like they need to do more with him. Then we get to Thule. Uh, Thule's been fantastic. I mean, <laughs> there's no other way to put it. He's tied for third m- amongst rookies and sacks. He has 21 total pressures, 14 runs stops an 83.2 run defense grade uh i gotta give Tuli an a minus i think that's an absolute home run pick yeah we flip-flop i have a c minus for quentin johnson which really is an incomplete just because i still don't think we've really seen him used well or yeah. used enough so far i have a full solid a so far on Tuli. i think you've seen a ton of potential in the pass yeah. rush 
and he came into the NFL as a 21-year-old legitimate run stuffer at that grown position, man, which is like so nice to have at least that floor, right? Like he already came in NFL ready as one of the youngest edge rushers in the NFL. Yeah. Darius Davis and Scott Matlock, David, got to be quick here. What are your grades on those guys? Yeah, eighth eighth in the NFL and uh, yards per punt return at a whopping 12.2. He's been absolutely dynamic as a punt returner, and he's been a great gadget guy. B-plus for Darius Davis, one of my favorites in the draft. Really excited that he's doing well. And then Scott Matlock, a six-round pick, only a couple tackles and a, a little just over 108 snaps. Uh, I mean, a couple pressures. I mean, he's a, a six-round pick. So the fact that he's getting on the field as a rotational depth piece, uh, I think, is is solid. You know, So I'm going C-minus for Scott Matlock. Yeah, we both have the same for Darius Davis, B+. Plus. I think the nice thing, especially for that, since he was a fourth-round pick, which comes into you know the, the interaction as well, or the equation, I should say, yeah. is that you've actually seen him be good on special teams and also give you some value offensively, which we yes. weren't totally sure about what the value offensively would be. 100%. But it's just so funny how they know perfectly how to use Darius Davis, <laughs> but don't know how to use Quentin Johnston. I have a C on Scott Matlock, another kind of incomplete. Two pressures on 62 pass rushing snaps is where I would be like, hey, yeah. like to see a little bit better, but he was always going to be a little bit of a project, I think, in sure. for him. To be, he's just not an impact rotational player at this point, Right. Uh, but there's not a ton at defensive tackle outside of Morgan Fox being able to get pressure at this point in the season. But we do have more to get into, and a tier has something for Tom Telesco. A tier is fed up. So we're going to talk about if time is running out potentially for Tom Telesco, if things keep going south in 2023. Coming up right after this. First, though, I do want to tell you guys about Game Time because buying tickets to your favorite events shouldn't be stressful, and Game Time is the fast and easiest way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater near you. With Killer Last Deal ticket available for you on Game Time, if you're looking last minute, there's only one place to go, and they have so many deals going on at all times that you're going to find the ticket that you're looking for at the best price. And how do I know? Dan, how do you know you're getting the best price? That's because it comes with the Game Time Guarantee which means you'll always get the best price. If you find the tickets in the same section and row for less, GameTime will credit you 110% of the difference. It's the fastest growing ticketing app in the country for a reason. And the thing is, is like, if you're going to events anyways, use GameTime and save some money. You know you're not going to get a better price. You're going to be able to see the seats before you buy them to know exactly what you're getting yourself into. And of course, with GameTime, you can also just make sure not only you're getting the best price, but you know that you could even be spontaneous if you wanted to, right? Like you can just go on game time. That's what I'll do sometimes and just scroll until I find some sort of event I didn't know was going on. And I know I'm getting a good deal on it. So if you guys want to save even more money, download the game time app, create an account, and use code Lockdown NFL for $20 off your first purchase. Again, that's Lockdown NFL for $20 off when you create an account and redeem the code. Download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. All right, David, let's continue getting to this Chargers mailbag here. And we have a fan favorite calling into the show today. And he has something for Chargers general manager Tom Telesco. Because, David, I think a lot of people, you know, <laughs> have been critical of Tom Telesco, I think, fairly, right? I mean, sure. I, and I think at this point, what this is about is, hey, if the season keeps going the way it is right now, Brian Steele gets fired, the Chargers decide to clean house. Does Tom Telesco stick around to get another choice at head coach and continuing to be the GM of this team? Let's hear what Atir has to say. David, this is Atir. Okay, my boy, I'm going to make it very simple. I'm sick and tired of Tom Telesco. I don't think the Chargers is winning a playoff game. I don't even think the Chargers won the Super Bowl. Do you think Chiefs assistant manager or Eagles assistant manager makes sense? To me, it does. What do you say? Let me know, my baby. I love you. Thank you. 
Dave, before we get into the different guys they can go with, I, I want to start with just this, right? If this happens, is there a cause for letting go of Tom Telesco? With what you've seen, right? This is season 11 for Tom Telesco. And there's no doubt about how many good players he's brought in, at least at the top end, right? Top first round, top shelf talent. He's done a really good job of evaluating. Yeah. But is this it for Tom Telesco, do you think, if everything continues to go south, the Chargers don't make the playoffs, they don't meet expectations in 2023? Yeah, we're talking about no uh, AFC championship, uh, AFC West wins, uh, championship wins. You're talking about only a handful. For his career, of, you're saying. Of, yeah, for his career. You're only talking about a handful of actual playoff wins. Uh, and we're, we're talking about no championships overall, right? That, I mean, that's the measure of a general manager. You're, you're, your job is to put the team together to win championships. And by that and by the fact that the Chargers have hired three different head coaches um, in that time uh, and none of them have had success. So at the end of the day, how much more rope does Tom Telesco get? I just don't feel like at this point in time that he should be the guy going forward. How do you trust this guy to choose another head coach regardless of the success he's had at the top end of drafts? I, I think the middle rounds of the drafts have been hit or miss. The back end of the draft has been mostly miss. So I just think given the track record and the lack of success, I don't know how the Chargers in good, in good faith can continue with Tom Telesco as general manager uh, given the lack of success. I just don't see it. I think it is definitely time if the Chargers don't make it to the playoffs and they don't win that they say goodbye to Tom Telesco. I think the important thing about the Tom Telesco situation is knowing that in his, uh, you know, 10 plus years now as general manager, he's had Philip Rivers and Justin Herbert, right? Yeah. He gets a ton of credit for getting Justin Herbert and, and bringing him in and bringing the Chargers a star quarterback after they're letting go a Hall of Fame quarterback. Absolutely. Sure. And I know there's a lot that's been said about guys falling to Tom Telesco, and he has had some luck in those regards for sure. Like guys that didn't expect to fall have fallen to him, and he didn't overthink a lot of those and was able to do it. Do you yeah. have, you know, the Herberts, Bashan Slater, Joey Bosa, Derwin James, Mike Williams turned into a really yeah, good receiver Asante as Samuel well. Jr. Yeah, I'm just talking about first-round picks. Yeah. Second-round picks, yeah, I mean, guys like Asante Samuel Jr., Tulitu, Pelotu, you know. And then there's also misses, like Jason Bratt, obviously due to injury. Yeah. DJ Fluker, Jerry Tillery, Zion Johnson right now is still, you know, still up in the air for sure, but it's a first-round pick you're using on him, right? You want that to be a dominant player yeah. and be able to make an impact for you early on. But I think the other part that's hard is you just don't know how much influence guys like, you know, Dean Spanos and John Spanos, father and son, one being the president of football operations, have had their had their hands in what who the coaches have been right yeah. like how much of that because that the big thing here too is just the three coaches he's had none of them have worked out and the team no. continues to underperform and to go back to what you're saying it's 81 and 87 all time it's three playoff appearances in 10 seasons and looking like it's going to be three and 11 seasons if this season keeps going the way it has two and three record in the playoffs zero championship game appearances right that that's what you're basing this off of but if they do go in a different direction I think a tier's in the right place here and where you would go look, right? You're looking yeah. for successful organizations. You're looking for teams that have had consistent success. And and the guys I was looking at were Alec Halabi and also Mike Borgonzi. And one in Alec is the uh, Philadelphia Eagles assistant GM. They have two of them. The other one's John Ferrari, but we'll keep it with one today. And then Mike Borgonzi is the assistant GM to the Chiefs, who obviously just sent Ryan Poles, like they just lost their longtime guy, right, to the Bears to be their GM. So, David, I think it's kind of a difference of philosophies here as far sure. as who you would try to pursue in this situation. 
Yeah, I mean, you look at the the Eagles and what they've done. They've been able to just stockpile talent, both on the defensive line and I think in their offensive line and wide yeah. receiver rooms. And they've they just churned that talent year in and year out. And they're aggressive, and, right? And yeah, go trade very for aggressive. They make trades. They yeah. they do everything they can to update their roster, upgrade their roster. And then you know, going to the Kansas City Chiefs, they hired a Hall of Fame head coach. You know, they have a, a great quarterback. They've been able to draft extremely successfully uh, around those key parts. You know, and it's been up and down yeah. the draft. They've been able to find contributors from the first round all the way to the seventh round with Isaiah Pacheco. So, I mean, their ability to find talent, be able to cultivate that talent and, you know, allow that to translate on the football field uh, has brought them great sustainable success. And I think at the end of the day, that's what you're looking for. You're looking for guys that are in organizations that have track records of success that can bring that level of success to your organization. So I think these guys are a couple of great picks. Yeah. And both those guys have been around a long time in those good organizations, right? Halabi since 16 years in Philadelphia, assistant GM since 2022, six seasons as VP of football operations and strategy. Mike Berganzi, 14th season with Kansas City. He has also been assistant general manager since 2021, been the director of football operations, co-director of player personnel. Those guys have a ton of experience. Yeah, great. But yeah, I think in one side you see a team, the more well-rounded team is probably the Eagles, right? As far as just how much talent they have on their team. And the other team has, you know, a Hall of Fame coach a Hall of Fame quarterback, but I don't think their current GM actually even drafted those guys, Mahomes, or even, you know, was able to bring on Andy Reid when he came to Kansas right. City. But still, they've been able to build championship teams around their star players and Patrick Mahomes in that point. And even for someone like Jalen Hurts, who nobody thought of as a franchise quarterback, able to build a roster around him that they could get to the Super Bowl and just, yeah, building through the trenches, having elite skill position players, that receiver and corner, right, things like that. And being able to just do the best with what you have. I mean, I think I'd lean Halabi in this situation. We'll have that more conversations like that down the road. But I think that's, you know, a good place to start is looking at those kind of organizations. Let's get Eddie Green in here really quick, David, who asked a good question from Twitter. Who asked, what would it take for the fan base to believe in Brandon Staley again? This is a tough question, David, because a lot of people are out on Brandon Staley right now. What do you have? Yeah, I mean, I think first and foremost, it's going to have to be winning games convincingly, and that's by double digits. Uh, I think that that's first and foremost. I think that's the what's going to have to happen. You got to beat good teams. I mean, the Chargers have not been able to do that pretty much his entire tenure spare for a couple of games. Have a complete, uh, a couple of complete dominant defensive performances. I think that's ver- really, really important to try to regain that trust. You got to shut down opposing number one wide receivers because they've been eating you alive this year. Justin Jefferson, C.D. Lamb, Tyreek Hill. Travis Kelsey mo- yeah. most recently. And then you got to stop giving up a ton of explosive plays. I think all of those things really have to happen in order for Brandon Staley to earn the confidence of the Chargers fans back. Yeah, and I don't think, you know, any of even a couple of those things do it. Like, I, I think, yeah, it starts by just getting back in the playoff conversation. It starts yes. with rattling yeah. off a few gotta wins win. and not letting this season go down the tank. That's where yeah. it starts. Having a dominant defensive stretch like you saw at the end of last year, those four games where the defense totally turned things around. Like yeah. I think being a good defense is a huge part of this when Brandon Staley is supposed to be a defensive guy. But For I think sure. you're right. Beating good teams. Only one since the start of 2022, and it was the Dolphins. But ultimately, the only way fans could fully buy back into Brandon Staley is if he makes a miraculous playoff run and wins playoff games. That's like, what it to is. Me, that like it, it, to undo the damage that's been done. I think that's what it's going to take, at least in the fans' opinion, right? And how kind of what his public outlook looks like right now. But it's not all on him, right? The players have underperformed to an extent, too, and a couple of them more than others. 
So we're talking about which players have underperformed so far. And if fans are bad fans for rooting against the Chargers to get certain people out of the organization. We're going to talk about that coming up right after this. First, though, I need to tell you guys about LinkedIn Jobs because these days every new potential hire can feel like a high-stakes wager for your small business and you want to be 100% certain that you have access to the best qualified candidates available. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs because LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the right people for your team faster and for free. My wife uses LinkedIn Jobs all the time. The one thing she always raves about is just how easy it is to create a free job post. She says she does it all the time, but she says the one thing that makes them so much different than other places who are trying to fill this same service is the quality, right? It's not just a bunch of people and you're just getting kind of, you know, casting such a wide net because with LinkedIn jobs, the simple tools like screening questions make it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience. You can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. That's why small businesses rank LinkedIn jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus their leading competitors. And right now you guys can help finish the season or your business season strong this year strong by going to LinkedIn Jobs and they can help you find qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. So post your job for free at LinkedIn.com slash LockedOnNFL. That's LinkedIn.com slash LockedOnNFL to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. I also need to tell you guys about my favorite place to play daily fantasy football, and that is with Price Picks. And I love Price Picks. Every Sunday, it's a tradition. I get up, I put my projections in, and I love watching it. It just brings so much it gives me so much other things to think about other than the Chargers, sure, but it just enhances football Sundays, which shouldn't even be able to be done. But with prize picks, I love it because all you have to do is pick two to five players or two to six players, I should say, and if they go more than or less than their projections, you win. And if you can win six on the same one, you can win 25 times your money. It's a great way to boost your odds. With prize picks, reboot policy, they're also doing something I've never seen on a daily fantasy sports site. Or sports site. Even if one of your players gets injured, David, for NFL games or college football top 25 matchups, if you have a player who exits the game in the first half and does not return in the second half, that player is rebooted. PrizePix is the only daily fantasy sports platform with injury insurance. That's huge because when a player gets injured and you lose because of that, there's truly nothing worse than that. So all you guys have to do to get in on the action is go to prizepix.com slash LockdownNFL and use the code LockdownNFL for a deposit match up to $100. That's prizepix.com slash LockdownNFL with the promo code LockdownNFL for that free deposit match up to $100. Price picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. All right, David, well, let's get into the rest of our mailbag questions here, but that's just on today's show. Make sure you guys are back here tomorrow with the crossover episode, crossover Thursday, locked on Bears, locked on Chargers for what is absolutely a must-win game for the Chargers coming up on Sunday Night Football. I'm excited. Hopefully, they can get back on track. And also, make sure you guys are checking out Lockdown NFL Kickoff Live at 2 p.m. Eastern Time every single Friday with hosts Tanitra Batiste, Jarvis Davis, and Kyle Krabs bringing you the insight to every game around the NFL and getting the local experts' opinions on everything so you can figure out which fantasy players you should start, which games you should be betting on, and so much more. 2 p.m. Eastern Time every Friday on every Lockdown NFL channel. Dave, let's continue this mailbag here. We have more we want to get into, including 619 Shaggy, who asks, in your opinion, who has underperformed the most so far on both sides of the ball this season? Zion Johnson and Derwin James are who Shaggy thinks the answers are. Who would you go with for this one, David? Because obviously, I think we could frame it differently. Like I think certain players have definitely underperformed, but there's certain players that also need to step up. Like I think this is kind of the same thing, and there's certain yeah. players that absolutely, if the Chargers are going to get things back on track and be competitive the rest of the season, have to be better than what we've seen so far. 
Yeah, I think on, on offense, uh, I'm looking at the right tackle. I'm looking at Trey Pipkins. I, I understand that Trey Pipkins has had a pretty tough start going up against some really, really good pass rushers having to deal with guys like Max Crosby and, and Chris Jones. I mean, I, I get that. I mean, they're very good. But we're talking about a guy who gave up two sacks all of last year, and he's already given up five through six games. And, and that's, that's got to that's gotta change. I mean, that you got to yeah. give Justin Herbert a little bit more help because you know you got Rashawn Slater on the other side. And, and I, I know Rashawn's still dealing with that that ankle injury, but I still feel like, you know, if if Trey Pipkins uh, boosts his game and improves his game, then that's going to improve the quality of the offensive line and give Herbert just a, a few more ticks to be able to make some plays. And then on defense, I look at Michael Davis. Uh, he has a, a passer rating allowed of a 126.6 when targeted, his highest reception percentage of his career allowed at 68.1. Uh, and he's allowing 11.4 yards per reception and has allowed five touchdowns already in six games. Michael Davis absolutely needs to play better football. And you kind of need that stretch that he had towards the end of the year where yeah. he had, uh, you know, really played the best football of his career. We need to see that Michael Davis return. I think those are two players that if they step up their game, it could really improve this football team. Yeah, I also went with Michael Davis, even though, yeah, you could say it's Derwin James, too. I think Derwin James has been good in a lot of areas, uh, you know, and I think a lot of things don't show up on the stat sheet and you're not going to find. But he absolutely has to be better. He's getting paid yeah. like a superstar player. You know, Definitely. Joey Bosa, I think, has been solid as well. And people don't want to hear solid. They want to hear you're great. They want to hear you're wrecking the games. And that's true. Neither Joey Bosa nor Derwin James has been a game wrecker outside of a stretch by Bosa against the Titans where he had two sacks and like 10 snaps that he played yeah. in that game. But besides that, they haven't been game wrecking players. Michael Davis has been so weird, man, because he's such a flip-floppy flip player. Like one yeah. year he's really good. The next year he bounces back and isn't as good. And so on and so forth. Last year he ended the stretch, the last season, the best stretch of his career. Yeah. And now this season, right, he was kind of starting at the beginning of the season, kind of wasn't when J.C. Jackson was still involved. He complained about being out of rhythm and getting sat. And then all, but now it's like, what's the excuse now, right? There's no more excuses. You're in, you're the starter, and it just hasn't been good enough. So I think offensively, I think you should go with the whole offensive line, right? Because it's yeah. not just Trey Pipkins not living up to his contract so far, even though some of those sacks, I wouldn't say five of them are all attributed to him. Some of them were coverage sacks. A lot sure. of it with this, and the reason I use the entire offensive line has just been how they handle stunts and things like that. Yeah. Like, they're not a good team at handling stunts and handoffs between the tackles and the guards, and that's been the one thing teams have been using over and over again to find quick pressures against the Chargers. So that has to be better. But, yeah, it's Slater struggling due to an ankle injury. Trey Pipkin struggling. You have Zion Johnson, who's shown some improvements, but then just has really, really bad losses mixed in between them where he's just losing right off the snap. And then you have, I think, what are pretty much rookie growing pains with Jamari Sawyer, right? First yeah. season playing guard in the NFL level. I think that's to be expected. But this was supposed to be a good unit, right? And I know Corey Lindsley's not out there, but it's still not good enough. And they have to be much better going down the stretch. But Sear Donahue's a little self-conscious about his Chargers fandom. Maybe it's because sometimes he's a Packers fan. Maybe it's because what he says. Let's hear what he has. What's up, guys? This is Donnie from Wisconsin. Am I a bad fan if I want the Chargers to lose to the Bears? That way Staley can get fired. Hopefully we promote Kellen Moore to head coach. See what he can do with full control. And then trade Eckler. Uh, either get a late-round pick, get whatever. Um, I'd like to see Isaiah Spiller, see what Josh Kelly can do with the starting role. Um, does that make me a bad fan? Later. I don't know, David. Does that make Donnie a bad fan? 
I'm not a huge fan of of that mindset. I just I, I really really don't you hate like that. that. Let's be I, honest. I, yeah, I do. I, I do hate that. I'm gonna be honest. Like I've never been a fan of the tank. I, I don't like losing to to try to get the best placement in the draft. If you're a fan of your team, you love your team. You should want them to win every single football game. I don't really care what the circumstances are. I, I just don't like that whole mindset whatsoever. I also don't think that Brian Steele is automatically getting fired if they lose this weekend. Like, no. this would be the next closest thing. I mean, if they go 2-5 and five and then have a game coming up against the Jets and they lose to go to 2-5 and five on Sunday night football and then go to 2-6 and six on Monday night football, maybe they would. It seems like Dean Spanos' promised Brian Staley this season, for better or for worse. That's yeah. what the Chargers do historically. They almost always let, I mean, it's been since like 1996 was the last time that they fired someone in season. So I, I understand it, but like, I, I don't think you should root for them to lose this weekend because they're not totally out of it. They could win the next couple of games and, and get themselves back to 500 and see where it goes. Uh, but I, yeah, I mean, I don't think you root for that right now. And I'd also say we talked about yesterday potentially trading Austin Eckler because he isn't on an expiring contract. The two sides seem destined to split after the season anyway. So it makes sense from that standpoint. But you have to find someone that can fit his contract in this season. And I think there are some playoff teams, your prospective playoff teams, teams that want to make a run that Austin Eckler would be really good on. But I would say careful what you wish for as far as Josh Kelly and Isaiah Spiller because we did see this team miss Austin Eckler for a few games. And we saw how bad that was, right? Josh Kelly obviously looked great. I definitely want to see him continuing to be involved because he looked super explosive in that last game and the offense actually started doing something. But the team is probably worse, you know, without Austin Eckler. I mean, I wish they would learn how to use him a little bit better this season, but I just don't know if that changes very much. So, I, yeah, I mean, I get it why, te- you know, I get why people would think, hey, this team's better without Brandon Staley. At the same time, though, like, Kellen Moore's trying to figure out the offense. Does his life get easier if Brandon Staley's fired? Absolutely not, right? No. Like, he needs to worry about his side. He doesn't need to be worried about trying to manage the game and manage the roster and manage the locker room. He needs to figure out how to get Justin Herbert and this offense going Yeah, first and foremost. But that's going to wrap things up for today's show. Thank you to everyone who hit us up on Twitter at LockedOnLAC or called into the voicemail line at 323-524-7924. Make sure you guys get back here tomorrow for the Locked On Chargers, Locked On Bears crossover for Sunday Night Football this weekend with Lauren Cox joining the show. Can't wait for that and make sure you guys don't miss it. Subscribe or follow for free on the Locked On Chargers YouTube channel and listen wherever you get your podcasts from. You can also find the show every day on all of our social media, like Twitter at LockdownLAC, but or at on Instagram at LockdownChargers, on our Lockdown Chargers Facebook page. And you can find me on Twitter at DanTalkSports and David Drogemeyer on Twitter at DrotalkSD. We both post it to our Twitter accounts as well. But make sure you guys are back here for Crossover Thursday tomorrow. Until then, guys, take it easy and go Bolts.